We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. Yes, love and relationships. Who hasn't dreamed of and desired the happily ever after we all read about fairy tales and romance novels and see in the movies? But it's not as easy as one might hope. Over half of marriages end in divorce. And of the couples that stay together, I have to wonder, is it really happily ever after? Or is it tolerating and existing ever after? Well, if you are someone who truly wants to claim fulfilling and sustained forever love, you are in the right place here today on Journey to Center. I suspect you've heard of these foremost authorities in love and relationships and very respected relationship experts, Drs. Gay and Kathleen Hendricks. They have been married for 34 years, worked together for 30 years, and authored a dozen books together, including their best-selling Conscious Loving, The Journey to Co-Commitment. Gay and Katie have been featured on Oprah, CNN, CNBC, and over 500 other television and radio shows. This dynamic relationship expert couple has made it their life's work to help people create healthy, thriving, and fulfilling partnerships. And their groundbreaking new book, Conscious Loving Ever After, How to Create Thriving Relationships at Midlife and Beyond, the doctors set their sights on supporting couples and committing and recommitting to their relationship health, happiness, and wellness. I'm so happy to be here today with Dr. Kathleen Hendricks about empowering, educational, and interesting new book, Conscious Loving Ever After. So, Dr. Kathleen Hendricks, I know you're often called Katie, so we'll probably be calling you that today. How are you? I'm so happy to have you here. Well, I'm delighted to be here with you, and I'm also, I'm here with my, uh, with my two cats are um, keeping me company, and that, that always makes me feel that I'm in the right place, because if they're humming along, I know that I'm humming along. <laughs> <laughs> the purr of a cat, it really yeah. is so heartwarming. So yes, <laughs> I'm settled into my heart with you, and I'm happy the kitties are with us, and I am just in so much personal gratitude for you saying yes to this. I have have read your books in school. I know you guys have contributed a lot to different books and journals and papers. And when I was getting my degree, your names and work came up a lot. And you guys have really been a wonderful and empowering influence in my life. So I'm so happy to be sharing you with our listenership. So oh, it's a great delight to be here with you and also to be participating in collaborating in what I think is really what most humans are most interested in, is it possible to experience loving myself and loving someone else without losing myself? And we really, I think we've solved that problem, and I'm really happy to share it with people. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm really thrilled about this. So I'm excited about getting into a lot of different things. I've read your book, I've tons of questions. But what I'd like to start with, and I think it's a good place to start, if someone isn't in a great relationship? How can they um, open to the possibility of, of attracting a conscious relationship? Mm. Well, the, the real key to attracting a conscious relationship is to have a whole body felt experience of your own lovability. I think that most of us are convinced down in there that there's something fundamentally wrong with us and that if people actually 
knew that, that it would be impossible for us to find love because, you know, if we really revealed ourselves to another person, they'd go, ew, <laughs> or, um, or no, 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 that's not what I had in mind at all. So the, the real key is genuinely loving yourself and loving yourself the way that you would love somebody else that you know you love. And that and very simple move is where we start. I think you're so right about this. I wrote a book about manifesting love from the inside out. And just what you're saying was my personal experience. And it really does. That foundation has to be um, one of self-love. And for me, it was not on my radar. I was looking for somebody to make me happy and bring me joy and looking for right. the one out there. Yeah. But I really got to the place I realized I, I have to get on the solid ground of, of liking myself, of affection, which was a very different way of being than, you know, in my 20s. <laughs> well, yes, but we're, we're so much in, in what I call the outside-in culture that we grow yeah. up in. The culture is really invested in us being anxious and not really loving ourselves because then we're going to be available to buy all of these things that are going to make us feel that we're more attractive or more desirable or more lovable, but it's really all built on fear, mm-hmm. uh, keeping you in a state of fear that you're not quite enough, that you, you know, you're too fat or you're too old or you're too, <laughs> and, uh, but if you buy this new product or, you know, you do this new thing, then that's going to get you your mate. And what, I think what that does then is is not really give us the opportunity to experience how richly creative each one of us is and how unique each one of us is. And that that is what what is really most attractive is someone really being fully themselves and expressing themselves into the world. and when when you do that, you're much more likely then to magnetize somebody who can really meet you because you're being yourself rather than, you know, some other version of you that, you know, that a magazine told you how to be. Oh, you're, you're, saying, you're, you're saying the things that I just know work. You know, I, I say it, finding your authentic shape, liking yourself, loving yourself, lining up with your soul self. So, yeah, clearing the fear. And I think fear and shame. It's an inherent part of each of us as humans. And I know you devote a whole chapter yeah. to the problem of fear in your book, Conscious Loving After, Ever After. Yes, Why do you do. call it not a big deal, but the big deal? I, I do consider it. I've gotten really obsessed with fear over the last few years because as I would look around, not just at intimate relationships, but uh, relationships between communities, relationship between states, relationships between nations, whenever there is a jangle, whenever there's a problem, I, what I could see was at the bottom of it was fear. Because the big problem with fear is that I lose access to all of my brains. I, use, I lose access to my problem-solving brain. I lose access to my empathetic brain. I go reptilian. I go, I, go, mm-hmm. I become the dinosaur version of me. And instantly, someone who has previously been a friend becomes an enemy. And I don't even realize it. When people are in fear, the other, the other person becomes disconnected. They become the other. And so it's much easier to then mobilize yourself as you would when you're facing an enemy. And that's what the fight or flight 
response is designed to do is to allow you to respond when there is a threat. But if there isn't a threat and you're the one who's manufacturing the threat with your fear, you keep yourself on this roller coaster of adrenaline, which is so much at the root of not just the relationship dissatisfaction that people experience, but it contributes so much to the dis-ease that is running rampant through much of our society. So I thought that the very first problem for people to solve is the problem of fear. Because the other thing about fear is that it doesn't go away. So, if, for example, you're sad and you cry, you get access to that clear kind of refreshing feeling that comes after you've released sadness. Or if you're angry and you're able to express that to somebody, you know, I was angry when you stepped on my foot, then that clears from your body. But fear doesn't go anywhere. So if you're afraid and you're trying to make it go away, what it does is go into your system. It goes into your cells. But we can turn fear into flow. And so both in this chapter, but also with videos that I've created, you can learn how with very simple movements to turn your fear into flow so you have access to that creativity. You have more juiciness. You have more availability to actually be here in the moment and to relate to what's going on around you and to collaborate with others. So I wanted to let people know that they can go to our uh, website, Hendrix.com, and go to the relationship page. And at the bottom of the page is a, you can click through to videos that will allow you to have an experience of the concepts that we're talking about, of the processes that we're talking about in our new book. And one of the main ones is how to turn fear into flow with the fear melters. So you'll learn how to use those fear melters rather than just reading about them. Yeah, that's really awesome because I do think fear is blocked energy. It's stuck energy. So I love what you're saying. It really resonates as, you know, profound truth. So yeah, we want to get back into our loving. So um, removing those blocks, dissolving it, getting it moved, getting that energy moving, I think it's so vital. You um, also talk about blame, and I think that comes from fear. I think that comes from yeah. shame. You're pointing that finger outward, and you say it's one of the most destructive forces in a relationship. So I don't know if what you're saying also applies to removing the fear, but how can we stop blaming? It's, it, I know it prevents us from having intimacy. What can we do? Because it's such a it's such an inherent way um, of relating. It seems so often is like, well, I you did this, and you know, and then it goes back and forth, and it becomes defending. How can we stop yes. that? Well, um, we now know, you know, research tells us that blame and criticism are the relationship killers. They are the number mm-hmm. one reason that relationships fail. Mm-hmm. And what people also don't realize is that if I'm being critical with you, I'm probably also being very critical with me. So it's not just ending blame and criticism with your mate or with your friends or colleagues. It's really ending those that persistent criticism that we give to ourselves. Because what it does um, is it addicts us to adrenaline. And people don't realize that adrenaline, we haven't been able to create a substance 
on the planet that's more addictive than adrenaline. It is. People, (laughs) scientists are trying to create something that's more addictive than adrenaline. But it's really the basic in relationship. It's that moment of, I'm right. I'm Mm -hmm. right. And I get this kind of flush of that, ha, 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 you know, that moment that, you know, is better than any drug that we've invented. And so that's what we're up against is, creating something juicier than adrenaline. Because if we don't, we're going to go back to adrenaline because it's just like mice pushing those buttons, you know, that give them that, that give them that hit to their brain. We keep reinforcing. And with adrenaline, what happens is that when you point your finger and you kind of go, ha, at the other person, you know, I'm right and you're not, mm-hmm. you get that hit of adrenaline, but it peaks very quickly and then it drops off. So what people do if they're on the adrenaline ride is they escalate. And that's where the, you know, these huge, the battles and abuse and conflict and, uh, you know, so much despair comes from is from needing to up the level of adrenaline. So what we're really recommending to people is that, you make, first you make a commitment to just ending it. You need to stop the addiction. Just like with any addiction, you need to stop it to find out what else is going on because the addiction is covering your ability to actually be intimate with another person, but it's also probably covering some unexpressed feelings, some authenticity, some requests that you haven't made, things that you felt sad about, things that need to be cleared up, but you can't get to them uh, underneath that covering, that really strong covering of blame and criticism. So when you commit to ending that, what we recommend is that you, you do a shift to really learning how to genuinely appreciate Mm-hmm. That appreciating and especially customized appreciation in our book, Conscious Loving Ever After, in the end, we have a way for you to customize your appreciation so that you get the most bang for your appreciation buck when you're appreciating. If you fitted it like a glove to the hand of the person you're appreciating, you really connect with them and you connect with yourself at a much deeper level. It's a different kind of juiciness, which gives you the gateway into creating. Creating, the experience of creating and co-creating is so much richer and renewable than adrenaline because adrenaline, you'll get that hit, but then it drops off and you don't have anything to build on. But with appreciation and with creating and co-creating, you can just keep expanding and renewing, renewing your romance and renewing your, your sense of aliveness, really lifelong. Yes, I, I know exactly what you're saying to be true. Um, me taking responsible, responsibility for my personal creativity and leading with gratitude and appreciation, I think, is what has really cultivated this very solid foundation that um, we keep expanding on. So I... I'm a living example of these principles really, really being highly effective. Oh, yay. um, Maintaining a relationship. (laughs) And I know you guys talk about um, the work that you do being like your own living laboratory. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's constantly evolving, it seems, and growing and expanding. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, from the very first moment that we got together back in 1980, <laughs> we really chose to have our, our relationship be a source of aliveness and renewal, not only for us, but we committed to not sharing anything with other people that we didn't know actually worked in day-to-day life. And so we say that everything that we share, both in our books, in our seminars, and in our online programs, has been bedroom and kitchen tested. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have had, you know, years and years and years of honing. So like, for example, when, we, when Gay and I got together, I don't think you'd find two more opinionated, stubborn, and critical people on the planet. And both of us were pretty addicted to being right. And so we know that if we can end blame and criticism in our relationship, that others can too. And what we've done is really created what I consider um, consciousness technology. So there are a lot of people who can tell you what you need to do. Like, for example, in Gottman's work, in John Gottman's work, he really talks about the value of appreciating, but we give you the actual tools to appreciate Mm -hmm. so that you can make those real in your life. And what we have found is that if I have an attitude of discovery, if I'm more interested in learning and in expanding than I am in settling and settling into routine, that I really can keep expanding my ability to give and receive love in new ways and expanded ways. And we've not ever seen a limit to that. You're like, okay, that's it. We've, you know, that's as much love as we're going to experience. And so, you know, just appreciate that and then take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And you're really bringing something up that I'm so excited about talking about. And I quote you guys in my, one of my books, and I think it's a, a, a term you guys coined. It's the upper limits. I think we all have a container inside of ourselves about how much love we can handle or how much goodness we can stand. So we yeah. talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to. And I appreciate that you're, um, that you're spreading that out into the world as well. We noticed early on in our relationship that we would be feeling really close to each other and then we would do something. You know, and generally one of us would criticize the other or one of us would remember some errand that we hadn't to <laughs> completed or uh, we'd get sleepy or uh, we would do something, we'd break an agreement, we would do something to mess it up. And we began to look at that and we started to notice around us that, oh, we're, everybody operates this way. And I've traveled the equivalent of 30 times around the world teaching our work. And every culture that I've been in has their own version of what we call the upper limit problem, which is that we have a thermostat setting. We didn't set it. We experience a thermostat setting for how much love and positive energy we can actually tolerate. And it's not a personal problem. I think it's a species problem because we've had thousands of years of getting really good at noticing what's wrong. Our ancestors, we got here because we had smart ancestors who could see the threat more quickly. And the people who were kind of lackadaisical and moon gazers, they're not here. So as a species, 
it seems to me absolutely critical that this is the make-it-or-break-it skill that humans need to learn if we're going to continue to exist on the planet and if we're not going to kill the planet, which is how can I expand my personal ability to actually tolerate longer and longer periods of time of things going well? Mm-hmm. And when and to recognize what are my own personal upper limit tactics. So how do I bring myself back to a more familiar level? And what can I do instead? So, for example, I can shift from criticizing, which is a really reliable way of limiting myself, to appreciation. Yes. I can shift from freezing in fear to moving my body in fear melters. I can shift from holding my breath to breathing which and opening my breath so that I can actually presence myself in the moment where I can receive more love. So I'm not barricading myself behind a kind of armor that we've all inherited. What you're saying is so accurate. You know, and and I've done what you're talking about, and breathing has helpful. And uh, something Marianne Williamson said: many of us think if we don't have the little drama, we're going to be bored. But if right. we can surrender that, if we can become conscious of this, then we can start relaxing into big drama, which is that connection, which is the synchronicity, which is the support, which is, you know, I think living heaven on earth. But it does take real. It seems. Um, conscious intention. Yes, it, it takes seems to conscious take some intention. Effort. And then also, Tammy, what we found, the most important skill is not just committing, you know, getting yourself into the game, but it's recommitting. Yes. So rather than, you know, you drift off, you conceal rather than reveal. So rather than beating yourself up about that, ah, you take a moment to love yourself because at the bottom of that is fear. Mm-hmm. So you you love that fear and whatever emotion is connected with that, and then you recommit. Mm-hmm. So you don't get any extra points. You don't get any extra kudos from the universe for beating yourself up. And when I learned that, it made such a big difference for me because, you know, doing penance or, you know, making up for things, it has like zero evolutionary value, but recommitting and then taking a, a making a choice in the direction of your commitment That's what gets you from where you are now to where you want to go. I love what you're saying. I'm getting goosebumps because it really is about transcending that whole um, way of being of survival into thriving, you know, um, making that conscious choice to move from fear to love. And I love how you're giving people such um, hands-on comprehensive tools that they can use to start, I think, opening up to that possibility and rewiring Yes, because what really we, we want people to have an experience, not just an idea. So yes. all of our books, all of our programs are filled with experiential processes. That's what we're calling the consciousness technology. It's actually the how, how to open up to experiencing more love, how to move from fear to flow and then from flow to an expanded experience of loving yourself as you are and also how to move from drama to creativity because truly creativity is so much juicier and so much more fun than drama because drama, you only really have uh, three possibilities in drama is either poor me, poor you, or screw you. 
Might and as well feel so do, good. <laughs> and we just and you don't feel you know you you have that momentary adrenaline, and then uh, you you don't feel so good. You no, like and you, it infects your psyche and the relationship. Uh, so not much yeah. good comes from that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But we do get that we we because it's driven by fear. And because we're not in our right minds, we're not in our cognitive minds, when we go reptilian, that is really the only outcome is that we either kill off part of ourselves or we kill off part of somebody else or we kill the relationship. So the, the investment in learning how to fuel yourself from creativity, from appreciation, mm-hmm. from learning how to deeply presence another person, those are the kinds of fuels that allow you to experience continuous renewal throughout your life. Mm. And that is how you live happily ever after. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, we've just got a minute here, so I'd love for you to do a shout out again for um, people who want to connect with you because I know you're, you know, you're talking to people's hearts and souls. How can they uh, connect with you and Dr. Gay and get your books? How can they um, find Well, they you? can get our books on Amazon. We have, uh, we have 12 books we've written together, and, and Gay's written almost 40 books. So we have, we have lots of books on Amazon. You can also go to our website, Hendrix.com, which is H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S.com, and we have lots of what we call free stuff. You can go in and see uh, videos and uh, get articles and things, processes you can listen to that will enrich your relationship with yourself as well as with others. You can also go to our Facebook page, which is Hearts and Harmony, where you can get, sign up for newsletters. You can see daily tips about how to really increase the juiciness in your relationship. Uh, and so uh, those are a couple of the places that you can connect with us. That is fantastic. Such great stuff here. I'm so excited you said yes to doing another show with me next week. So, um, Dr. Katie, I love you. Oh, thank you, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) And to my listeners, thanks for hanging out with us. I have a great time talking to my conscious guests, but it really makes it fun knowing that we're also connecting with you. So be in touch with me, Tammy B. PhD. Let me know how you're doing and just know that you're in our hearts and prayers here at Empower Radio. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now. 